You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Techie Leadership Show. Today as guests we have Mikkel Fredholm, the founder and chief of One to One Tribe. Mikkel is a wellness entrepreneur and founder and CEO of One to One Tribe. The goal of One to One Tribe is to create a global ripple effect by mobilizing inspirational thought leaders to help people live a healthier and more sustainable lifestyle and as such have a positive impact on our planet. He previously built World Class to be the biggest fitness chain in Romania with 35 clubs and 70,000 members. Hello Milka, Mikkel and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Hey. Uh, thanks for having me. Do you want to add anything else about yourself? No, that that covered pretty much everything. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one thing that I'm curious about is what motivated you to build, to bring world class to, to Romania? Yeah, it was, as with most stories, it was uh, completely random. I uh, okay. was working in the Middle East uh, for a uh, Swedish Egyptian entrepreneur. Uh, his name is Riafad Al Sayed, uh, quite famous, very successful entrepreneur back in the 80s then kind of his empire fell apart and then he started building a new company and that's where i uh, came in and worked with him so basically i was with him in uh, egypt jordan and saudi arabia building pharmaceutical plants so oh. yeah but fun for three years but uh three years <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> not 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 the coolest industry i must say but yeah i learned a lot so anyway uh, by pure accident, uh, in Egypt, I met the founder of Workclass, a Swedish uh, former bodybuilder, really a cool, exciting, and great entrepreneur. So very, um, how do you say, uh, non-traditional entrepreneur. Uh-huh, so okay. we, uh, we sat by the pool in, in a hotel in Luxor, and uh, we talked, and he offered me a job. And actually, he offered me, and I'm quite sure about this, he offered me a job in Budapest, in Hungary. To, uh, okay. to open up his first fitness club there. So I, I accepted job on a handshake. And uh, this was in the fall 2004. So uh, we agreed that I will come down in the beginning of January 2005. And uh, so he sent me the plane tickets. Uh, back then it was, you know, before the electronic tickets. So uh, I opened a ticket uh, and it said Bucharest, Romania. <laughs> I was expecting <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah, true story, true story. And I, I, call, I called him and I mean, he seemed pretty up in the clouds sometimes. I just told him like, oh, thanks for a ticket, but you happened to buy the wrong ticket. He said, no, 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 no. We always discuss Bucharest. So I said, okay, cool. So I, I, packed my bag and I, I, uh, I went down to Bucharest. So uh, completely random. And he was there, I guess. Yeah, he was there. We met. Uh, we met. I, I took a taxi from the um, from the airport to an address he gave me, and I was super excited. And he he's a really good salesperson. So uh, I expected like something pretty cool, uh, you know kind of like a silver platter so you know like a really cool experience but when i came down um the first club was going to locate in uh, hotel bucharesti which is now radisson but when i came there hotel bucharesti and he told me we're going to open a club in a five-star hotel i thought the hotel was ready but when i came there the hotel bucharesti was a complete ruin i mean it looked like uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it had been under a rocky grenade attack 
So, and he, he showed me the office. He was so proud and the office was like a hole in the, in the wall with no heating. <laughs> this was January, it was like minus 20 degrees. There's no heating. I had to go to the bathroom in the Hilton. And so every time I had to go to the bathroom, I'd sneak into the Hilton to go to the bathroom. And he has took off. So he said, Michael, we're going to open the club in about three months. So uh, just kick ass and start pre-selling memberships. And then he... <laughs> <laughs> so I was sitting in this dark office, like with a laptop, a fax machine, and uh, that's it. And that's like, no heating. No heating. Winter. I, I was actually, luckily I brought my ski clothes. I, I put all my ski clothes on and a hat and I was sitting there. And I was like, how the hell should I sell memberships? So, you know, kind of Victoria was not as today, it was not busy at all. So I was like, fuck, should I stop cars on the street? Then I even want to buy a membership in a club that we opened a few months. <laughs> so it, it was really tough. So I, I thought I did my, my biggest mistake of my life. But uh, we opened the club, it was a bit delayed. So we opened the club after, I think, five months. Uh, and I actually sold, during these five months, I sold one membership to uh, an Israeli guy that just, all randomly came into the office one day and he said, uh, this sounds interesting. I want to buy a membership. And I said, yeah, yes, sign here. Give me the money. <laughs> he was a good businessman. So he said, uh, he looked, he could tell I was quite desperate. He said, yeah, but you know, I, I need some perks. I said, whatever you need, tell me. <laughs> he said, I don't have training clothes here. I said, hold on. So I sat him down in this cold office. I ran down up to the Nike, uh, Nike shop on uh, Sturbevoda. With my own money, I bought a whole Nike outfit and a pair of sneakers. I ran down and said, here's your clothes, sign the contract. And that was the first membership. <laughs> so, so, I mean, uh, personally, I made a loss on that membership, but it was worth it. So we opened the club with him as a first member. And he was a member uh, all the way. He, actually, he passed away a few years ago, but he was a loyal mm. member. Every year he knew this membership, the first member. And then work class, that, that was the start. Uh, and as soon as we opened the club, uh, it became a big boost. So we start building that club, we started building a network of clubs, and uh, yeah, became a successful uh, fitness network. Every journey starts with one step. Every, mem every membership mm -hmm. account starts, starts with yeah. one member. Exactly. It's such a good lesson. Uh, it's a great lesson and uh, a super exciting journey for sure. And now you're building one-to-one -one tribe? Yep. <laughs> Which so, is also uh, in the fitness space, but in the in the clouds virtual yeah, fitness. It space. is so. Yeah, it it was a kind of a big step for me. First, going from you know building brick and mortar, very, very traditional business, building fitness clubs, to uh, jumping on on a technology startup. So it feels a bit like I'm sitting in that old dark room again, uh, <laughs> getting one user by user. Uh, actually, we have twenty thousand users now, so. So you're more successful at selling memberships oh, yeah. now. It, it, as I say, it goes quicker with uh, with startups than brick and mortar, and then that's very true. So, uh, but it's still it's like down to down to basic, uh, which I really enjoy. Uh, Workplace became, yeah, a big organization. We had about when I left, we had about one thousand five hundred employees. Now we're back. It's me, my wife, and uh, one more partner in the company. So uh, it's just really rolling up the sleeves and starting from uh, from scratch again, which I, I really enjoy. And that, that's, yeah, it's that gives me the biggest pleasure. Uh, it's very important. Yeah, so yeah. it's great. And and I'm really curious, like, from your leadership lessons that you've learned, how do they apply, like, in the tech space and how they work? 
Yeah. So with that in mind, let's get started. Like, what is the biggest leadership success story you witnessed personally? Yeah, I haven't witnessed this personally, or maybe I have, but uh, my biggest, um, uh, to answer the question, Greta Thunberg. For me, she's my hero. Uh, I don't know, Greta, so let me explain who she is for the listeners who doesn't know who yes. she is. So she's a Swedish uh, girl. She's right now, I believe she's 70 years old. She started uh, three years ago, uh, taking some action about uh, the climate. So uh, she went on a school strike every Friday by herself, sitting outside the Swedish parliament. And uh, you can go with some pictures. She's sitting completely by herself in the rain with a small sign that she's doing a strike for for the climate. And now, I mean, she now she's uh, she didn't get the um, Nobel Peace Prize today. I was really hoping for it, but she was one of the nominees. But now she has millions of followers, uh, young people, and she's inspiring millions of young people to take action against the climate and also put pressures on the politicians and they so-called adults in the room in this world that uh, don't do too much of the climate, in in my opinion. So for me, she's my role model, starting from scratch and only with passion and a very strong belief, inspiring millions of people around the world to uh, to do something which, in my opinion, is one of the most important things we have today, and that is to to fix the climate. So um, so she's she's my hero. Yeah, <laughs> and I, uh, what I would ask you is like. Do you think it's due her um, her drive and her motivation? And was she like was she inspired by the Swedish uh, educational system to do this? Is this something more common or uh, to to take action and don't step by or accept like authoritarian uh, leadership? Yeah, it's a very good question. I do below believe without knowing her that uh, she would have done this action regardless of which country she was uh, brought up oh, in. Okay. Uh, she's quite interested. She has also had the Asperger syndrome. So she's very, as I learned with Asperger syndrome is that you 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 really get hooked on a on one thing. And her yeah, thing focus. is age. Yeah, yes. very focused, yeah. And it's just incredible at such a young age to be so passionate. Yes, you know, all them, she, she gets so many rewards. She wins prizes, uh, millions uh, of euros she wins. And she donates everything to, uh, to different causes for her, for what she believes in. So it's such a selfless passion she has. Uh, and she sacrificed a lot of things. I mean, she's 17. She should enjoy uh, being 17. And she does Exactly. That. So uh, it's just unbelievable what she's doing, I think. And it uh, should be a role model for so many people. Yeah, and hopefully she's, she's going to be. And I, I would like to see, like, from uh, younger generations to, to see leaders forming and yeah. doing stuff, not just in business, but actually to improve the yeah. life of everybody, because that's the job of a leader. If it you're is. a leader in business, you, you're there to improve the life of everybody working inside that company. Uh, and if you're a true leader, you cannot stop. You have, you, when you go home, you don't say, like, I'm not a leader anymore. Because no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's a skill set. Yeah, it is. And it's so sad in a way, I, I must say, that in my opinion, the, the most important leader the world has today, she's 17. Yes. That, that's kind of sad. Uh, I hope it will change. But uh, because her voice is strong, but uh, it's tough to be 17 and to be 
to be uh, extremely heard. Um, well, in the past, it was way more common to for very young people to take up positions of, um, of authority and power. Yeah. The best example that I always go back to is the first uh, uh, admiral of the U.S. Navy, yeah. who became a ship captain at uh, twelve, wow. and uh, yeah, and um, commandeered an enemy vessel. Huh, I didn't know that. That's very interesting. Yeah, and it was very common if you check up on the history of uh, mar maritime his history, yeah. especially in the British Empire. It was very common for children uh, age seven, eight, nine to work as uh, captain's aides and then officers and first officers. And by the time they were in their early 20s, they became captains of their own ships. That's interesting. I maybe as a young person, you're more, you're open-minded, so. Um, mm. yeah. But it's not just about the, the being young part, is that nobody questioned the authority. Oh, what do yeah. you know, you're, you're seven or eight or nine, it, it didn't matter, especially yeah. when it comes to life and death uh, scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. It goes to prove that uh, humanity as a whole, we don't care that much, so long as it's good advice and, and it's yeah. well-structured and it comes from a place that uh, wants our well-being we don't really yeah. care where it comes from no and that's a very interesting point um, yeah. it, it seems that uh, age has been linked like with leadership only recently yeah if you look yeah. like for history you have lots of examples really young people taking the leadership role and having people that were way older than them follow them as yeah. not questioning them or anything like that yeah uh, no it's, it's true it's very true it's full of examples like the trojan war it was fought yeah. by 13 14 and 15 year olds i think yeah, the yeah. oldest one was under 19. Yeah. and even even the u.s revolution george washington he was called the old man he was the yeah. oldest and he was in his 30s yeah yeah the other leaders they were 15 16 17 yeah. and they liberated the whole country exactly no that's i never actually reflected in this way but that, that's super interesting and uh, maybe there's a change coming uh a bit. hopefully but it wouldn't hurt in my opinion <laughs> no i i feel that nowadays the the way the school system is uh, is structured and and you need postgraduate and you need yeah. masters and then you yeah. need phds it feels like they they somehow they are extending uh childhood indefinitely yeah. Yeah, yeah, true, very true. Uh, and it's we've been very indoctrined uh, nowadays, this whole school system, which uh, is another topic, but I don't agree at all. Uh, <laughs> Even in Sweden, because you know, the yeah, Nordic countries yeah. are praised for their uh, scholastic achievements, especially yeah, no, Finland. Yeah, Finland is, uh, is great, Sweden is also good, but I think the whole system is, uh, it's still, it needs to be uh, renewed. I think that the, the world is so different now from, I mean, even in Sweden, it's, they improved the school system, but it's not that different today than it was when I was young, uh, which served good in the old time or, or before, but I think it, it needs to be a bit, uh, today the world is so different. Uh, and I think the system, the school system has to reflect that as well, but that, that's a gigantic task to take on for any government or country. Yeah. Yeah, and 
it's it's not built for creating leaders actually school no. systems they suppress leadership because you're perceived like a problem <laughs> child <laughs> and you don't want to conform with everything you want new stuff and you want to improve everything around you and as yeah, all the teachers are no leave it as it is like yeah. a very small afterthought and side note also for you and for the listeners if you're interested in uh, learning about the school systems how it came about and schooling in general just do a youtube search for uh john taylor gatto double t because it's italian yes and he was related to the u.s politician uh, taylor okay cool okay the guy won uh, best uh, teacher in the state of new york i think twice which is a very big achievement and he was actually uh explicitly hired by uh, uh, high-level um, uh, Chinese party members to structure a way for f- to bring China into the new uh, to the new age and he, he told them listen you cannot have innovation and keep uh, authoritarian rule but I said but we want to it's just good luck with that it, it won't doesn't work. work it doesn't work you cannot embold creativity no. in, in a fierce environment no. exactly exactly. Huh, very interesting. I will definitely check up, uh, check that out. Okay. And, now, and now closing this uh, parenthesis, yeah. Yeah. getting back, like, what is the biggest leadership failure you had the unfortunate experience of witnessing? Yeah, uh, I hate to see it because I hate to even get involved in polit- politics. But for me, it's so clear now it's Donald Trump. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's the biggest, I mean, it's, it's such a, people are so tired about hearing this, but for me, it's so clear. I mean, the fact that, uh, and for me personally, the fact that he's leaving the Paris Agreement, um, that he's uh, spreading information not to trust scientists when it comes to climate change. I go about a lot about climate change, but that, that's the, the topic I'm burning on the most personally. So for me, that's a complete failure. Uh, I, it comes, yeah, nothing comes close to it, in my opinion. Uh, yes. and, and from your experience, was there like a, a situation where you realized, okay, as a leader, I didn't do what I had to do, and you learned a lot from it? Did you have like an experience like that? Yes, uh, I would say every day. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's as true. a leader, as a leader, you you can first of all you can never stop learning, and you have to be, uh, in my opinion, as a leader, you need to have your antennas really out all the time because it's as a lead it's all about uh, people it's psychology um so and and that you 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 just need to keep learning you need to interact with people the more you interact with your people that you're leading the more you're learning i mean as a leader you're serving the people that you're leading so uh, you will do mistakes all the time and, and maybe the biggest quality of a leader is to learn uh, because basically your job is to to make the people that works for you or that you're leading, that they do the best job they can do. Uh, and that's a never ending story. So it's just trial and error and, and be really attentive uh, to listen to them, to understand them. So um, yeah, I, I think it's every day, every day you learn something, how to improve yourself to be a leader. Uh, and that's, I think it's like the biggest, biggest kept secret of leadership is like you as a leader, it's actually your experience as a leader is a never ending series of failures, small ones, bigger ones, medium yeah. ones, and just going with them and trying to improve constantly. 
Yeah. Uh, and it actually helps the people looking at you because they also realize, okay, I may not be the best at my job, but I can improve also because. Yeah. And as a leader, you're, you're, you're a human being. I mean, I think yeah. so many weak leaders are trying to put this barrier that they're not human, they're perfect, they're authoritarian, I think it's called, yeah. Uh, but I mean, as a leader, you're, you're completely human. All you want to do is to empower people and so they can do the best possible job. And uh, that's not easy. And uh, it's like in a relationship. You uh, same thing if you're married or girlfriend, boyfriend. You you cannot be. You're never an expert in it. You have to be very attentive <laughs> to uh, to keep growing because it's about uh, it's about psychology at the end of the day. And yeah, that's tough. And it changes. And it's so different from people to people. So you have to be very adaptive uh, when you're leading people. And Mikael, since you're saying like it's it's about psychology, and you said this several times. Are you actually studying psychology to improve on yourself? Do you read books in psychology or stuff or? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very interested in psychology. I was uh, back at the university of debating if I should major in uh, marketing or psychology, uh, which also goes hand in hand. Yeah, but uh, so I, I always be very interested in psychology. I'm really interested in human behavior. Um, so uh, which is leadership is about human behavior human behavior is, is really psychology so yeah it, it's a big passion uh, passion so so to really understand what drives people and that is useful as a leader and i'm also really passionate about understanding what drives people to do a change which comes back to my my business first in the fitness industry and now with one-to-one tribe so it's really interesting to see what does it take for people to change if it's the, the lifestyle or, or anything else and and that's that's a very so deep what thing. does it take for people to change like if you have to give like the crib shit the notes to pass the exam on change yeah. what does it take i mean first of all if we talk about lifestyle which is my my domain or or fitness uh, a lot of people put uh, put the bar too high so of course the change need to have an achievable uh, bar which you continuously uh, raising same thing in leadership when you're leading people. Uh, you need to have a reachable bar all the time. So that's probably the first thing in a lifestyle change. Then I would say the most important thing to have fun. Uh, if you want to change, doesn't matter what you're going to change. You have to enjoy it to have fun. Uh, if you do it as a to drag it and not enjoy it, you will never change. And actually, that's kind of the same in leadership as well. If you don't have fun at work, if you don't make the work environment fun, uh, your team will not perform uh, the best. So, so fun is a uh, human sure. fiber. Yeah. And with, with that, because we're like doing a segue with that, is what would you say is your leadership philosophy? I'm all about empowering people. So uh, I believe as a leader, you need to have a strong vision. And the vision needs to be really close to your heart. I mean, you need to believe in that vision as you don't believe anything else. Uh, so a vision is not something that can be come in your lap. I mean, you, you, you need to be really close to your heart. Uh, and then to lead with that vision and then to empower people, really step aside. I mean, your job as a leader, my philosophy as a leader is to empower the people. Uh, so when you do that and they, they follow the vision, uh, they do great jobs. Um, too often leaderships try to interfere in micromanaging, but I mean, that's not scalable. Yeah. So uh, people are great and uh, people are absolutely great when they feel empowered. I mean, that's when miracles are happening. 
and it makes the the work environment to be fun yeah because... and purposeful i mean it's uh when people get empowered and if they share if they first understand your vision and then they have to believe it as well and that's fine some people don't believe in your vision but then they're not the right person to work in that company uh, there's plenty of opportunities out there but uh, when they believe in the vision and they feel empowered i mean that's so liberating then then the job becomes a hobby um just now i had like a sort of epiphany because we discussed about change and how to do it and then now we have this discussion about leadership and i said like the stuff we found and i realized when you're a leader your whole goal is to manage change because if you want the business to grow it has to change you cannot stay the same if it stays the no. same yeah. it doesn't grow no, exactly. so and you want positive change because you can have negative change where you're losing business and going under that that's the part you don't want yeah. so 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 actually as a leader you are in charge of making sure that change is happening in the direction you want it yeah i would say change and also progressing because you um some leaders they want to change for the sake of it because they want to prove that they do something i mean <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean if you have the the vision you never know if it's the right or wrong vision but it has to be there then it's just about people getting working towards that same vision. Uh, okay, you need to change. Uh, you need to change to find a better way road uh, to that vision. But most often, if you have the right vision, you just need to to reduce, reduce, uh, eliminate hurdles uh, to make it easier for the people to uh, to work towards that vision. I think that's one of the main responsibilities for a leader: just to stop reducing hurdles. To make it easy uh, for people to work and then empower them to work towards a vision. So yeah. that, that's um, uh, it's all about moving forward for sure and towards yeah towards a vision. Change is 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 oftentimes unavoidable and yes it is important. But as leader, you also have to do like a checklist: is this change necessary? How is yeah. the how, how is my niche faring? If yeah. I don't change, will I be behind the competition? Etc. You should you should always be keep in touch with with your the specifics okay. of your business. Come on, let, let's let's no, not no. let's not keep the pace. Take our pace from the competition. If you're having a vision, you're 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 competing with yourself true. and your true. vision. True, but I know plenty of situations in which good businesses went bust in two years because the CEO got bored because everything was principally autopilot working great and he decided to change the business yeah, everybody was having fun in, yes. instead of doing like if you it's no if you want something new no problem start a new business leave the the old one going as is don't change something that works no i agree and, and i mean you need to keep the goal and the vision in in your sight all the time so if change would take you closer to that vision i think change is good but uh, sometimes change can take you further away from that vision. Yes. Um, yeah. It's all about if you have the right vision or not, um, in a way. And, and no, the, well, the truth is that as a leader, if you're really good at leadership and you're empowering people, letting them do, it becomes really boring because you have nothing to do all day because people take yeah. care of business for yeah. you. And yeah. only from time to time when something new happens or they don't have experience, they come and rely on your experience to help them proceed yeah. forward and make the vision come true and and it's true it's it becomes the more you're better as a leader the less you work 
and the more you have the temptation, let's tweak it a little until yeah. you have, you start destroying the system. <laughs> yeah, so you get bored. Yes, I'm. I'm. Um, uh, I will mention because I the book I read that influenced me most in my life. I actually read it as a 12-year-old, so it's a long time ago. Um, it's a book from a guy called Jan Carlson. He was a CEO of uh, Scandinavian Airlines. Okay. So, okay. And his book, I'm not sure it can be found in English, uh, but the, the translation of the title would be Tear Down the Pyramids. And it's basically to, to switch the whole part. So traditionally, uh, you have the owner, the CEO on the top, and just a big pyramid of people under. So he wanted to turn down the, the pyramid to really empower all the people and especially the frontline people. And basically his biggest conclusion in the book is as a great leader, you want to do everything to make yourself obsolete. Yes, that's, yeah. that's your job. That's yeah. your job. Yeah, that's your job. So which is very few people, very few leaders dare to do that because if you, he says, I mean, the biggest successful leader is that you can leave your job and nothing will happen in the company. But that's that's tough as a leader because you want to be seen and, and as a strong and the leader. I mean, but empowering people, yeah. If you manage to make yourself completely obsolete, then you have succeeded as a leader. It's a question of, um, of uh, self-worth and self-appreciation. Yeah. Because people who, who are good at what they do and they know they're good at what they do, they never worry about having a job no, or no. having a career. So no, they no. never worry about getting that. Uh, they want input, outside input that tells them you are going the right direction, but that's the only reason they want it, not, not, no. uh, not an ego uh, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Other people, yeah, they're worried that they might lose their job, never get one as good. So they no. want to make sure that this business will be nothing without me. No. You cannot go on. <laughs> I am irreplaceable. Yeah, and as I said, you said it very good. It's, it's all about the ego. Uh, so you really have to not put the ego first. I mean, you have to put the company first. But the ego is, in my opinion, the, the thing that destroys most companies uh, and destroys most leaderships. Most um, relationships. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and this is advice that should be given out is like, if you have a manager inside your company and you see him, he, his department is producing and is growing and it's exceeding expectations and the manager isn't doing anything. Don't, don't be <laughs> stupid and fire him because soon enough you're going to find out that actually because he worked a lot, he got yeah. this, the department to that level and without him it's going all back yeah. to how it was and it'll be like, why? <laughs> exactly, no, exactly. And, uh, it's, it's uh, unfortunately, it's not in many cases, uh, many leadership leaders don't, don't have this uh, philosophy, uh, in my opinion. But um, and not not just managers, there's plenty of examples with with uh, engineers and uh, of course, and yeah. nor normal employees that yeah. you, you look and it's like it looks like he's wasting time, he's reading his own books and browsing them. But then you look at the numbers of his department say we're exceeding uh, production, everything yeah. is doing great, we have no waste. And then you think like, there's something there and I can't put my finger Usually on it. Usually sometimes you get greedy and say, if, if you would work like more, we could get more out of it. Yeah, yeah, that happens also. <laughs> that happens also. We, we forget that they're human 
well, human beings, you know, like you're expected to do as much as necessary for us to be profitable as a company. Anything more is welcomed, but we shouldn't expect more than uh, what is here. What is yeah. here. Exactly. And that's very short sighted thinking as well. I mean, long term, you, if we go back, people need to be happy and have fun. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I also wanted to add one more thing. You, you said the importance of making uh, things fun. Yeah. Uh, which I agree, but I also wanted to add like a small bl blueprint. Uh, make fun the things that are good and beneficial and make yeah. the things that aren't beneficial, make them boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's like I heard and I heard this from a, from a child psychologist who said, you know, there, there isn't a person on earth who doesn't know that uh, alcohol is, uh, is bad if you, if you ingest too much yeah. or too often, if you abuse it. Yeah. Okay, the problem is, especially for young people, it looks fun. Yeah. So if you just make it look boring and yeah. stupid, yeah. they will naturally look stay, for, away, from stay away from it yeah. rather than forcing them. Yeah, so true. And there, I mean... There've been some good marketing guys uh, promote <laughs> making it very fun, among other things. So okay. yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, moving on. Can you share with us the top three leadership tips you have for aspiring leaders? Yeah, I think number one, I touched base on it before, but it's so important in my opinion. The number one is to have a clear vision, uh, to really define the vision, believe in it. Uh, so you strongly believe in it and see it so extremely clear that you dream about it every night and it makes you wake up every morning with a big smile and full of energy. So have a clear vision. The so, second one, sorry? Sorry for interrupting. Are you dreaming about one-to-one -one tribe at night? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know just checking, just checking. <laughs> I am, but, but really. So, so what's the vision behind it? Like, how would you describe the vision behind it? The vision is to, we really want to collect and gather uh, the biggest expert in the world when it comes to healthy and sustainable living. Uh, and to use that to create a ripple effect. Because each, each expert we recruit, they have a huge followers on social media and then, uh, podcasts, etc., And they can reach more people. So for us, by gathering a few hundred experts, that creates a ripple effect because each expert has so many followers and overlapping. So with that, we can create a ripple effect and we can really affect millions of people around the world to, uh, to live healthier, which is good for them, which is very important. But for them to live healthier in the way we promote health is also to make more living more sustainable. And by doing this, we we will make an impact in the world uh, to make the world a bit uh, more sustainable with healthy yes. people. So that's our vision. It's um, clear cut. Really good vision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's fun, and that's that's why it becomes nice dreams to dream about one to one tribe at night, because it's uh, <laughs> it really uh, it, it's not about money. It's not about being a unicorn. Uh, uh, it's actually about uh, fulfilling something really good and uh and needed in the world um that's a vision awesome yeah. and the, and the second, second one, yeah the second <laughs> one is to as a leader when you have your strong vision uh, that you believe deep 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 down in your heart you need to know how to communicate it and some leaders are excellent communicators 
some are less good communicators. I don't think that really matters, but if you're a less good communicator, you have to learn how to communicate it, which everyone can do if you believe in your vision. Because to talk about something that really touches your heart, it's everyone can learn how to do that. Uh, and what you need to learn how to communicate your vision is for everyone to understand it. So for example, in work class, I made sure that the vision was understood from, from everyone in the organization, from the accounting department, to club managers, to cleaners. So if you stop a cleaner in work class, they know the vision. And the vision of work class was to radically transform the lives of people in Romania. So it's easy to communicate it in a way. It's more difficult to communicate for everyone and absolutely everyone in the company to understand it. So uh, because it cannot be too sophisticated, it cannot be too simplistic because then only some people in the organization would understand it. So to, to really work as a leader to, to, to find that sweet spot, how to communicate your vision in a language that really everyone understands um, in the company. And number three? Number three is when you have done that, you sit back and relax. So ah, the best number three. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's, we touched base on it early in this, uh, in this podcast. But to really trust yourself, trust your team, trust the people that you're leading, sit back and relax, really get down on the floor and interact uh, with the people that you're leading. So you can sense if everyone is working towards the same vision. If they're not, use feedback to, to help them get, get back towards the vision. So feedback is so extremely important to not only for the leader to give to, uh, to all of the people in the company, but for all in the company to give each other. Because if everyone understands the vision, when someone is working uh, intentionally or not intentionally on a road that is not straight to the vision, everyone else will give feedback to bring that person back. Uh, on, the, on, the, on the right path uh, towards the vision. And as a leader, that's your job. And uh, as well as eliminate any obstacles, anything that makes it hard for people to, to work towards the vision. So um, yeah, to sit back, relax, get to know your organization, uh, use feedback for, uh, and that will always happen because no matter how good you can communicate the vision, people always understand it a little bit differently. Yes. Uh, and even yourself as a leader, uh, and you could be wrong. So uh, feedback is such a good tool to to really implement conversation for everyone in a nice way to kind of put everyone on the same path to the vision. And if you do this, then it's just a matter of if you have the right vision or not. Uh, and that you never know. That's the bet you have when you <laughs> when you run your company. Either yes. the vision will work or not. Uh, you either you're right or you're wrong. Yeah. But if you fail, uh, if you fail, yeah. Then you had the wrong get a new vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you, it was not some other factors. You can never know if you're doing the the right thing or the right steps no. looking forward. It's always looking back. Aha, I was right. <laughs> yeah. But if, that, you, that, if you really believe in it and it's from all of your heart, I mean, usually that vision is the right one. Uh, but yeah. sometimes not, then that's life. <laughs> and I like the idea of having constant feedback because sometimes you see in organizations, they, it's planned feedback once a year, the specific date you get some yeah. feedback. And no, it has to be constant each day, each week, each month. Yeah. And I don't believe in schedule or organized feedback. This has to be 
deep rooted in the culture of the company. It should come because you need to give feedback right at the spot. <laughs> no, the schedule one, it's schedule lying. It's not schedule. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like when you have a scheduled uh, uh, meeting at 1 p.m., but at 11, uh, your employee comes, boss, boss, urgent yeah. information. No, 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 come back at one. Boss, but the factory but, is burning. No, you will let me know at one. Yes, exactly. We have our hour, we will keep to the schedule. Yeah. That is if we still have a building. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, so feedback has to be spontaneous and immediate. Uh, everything with the factory is burning or if someone is just, you know, using the wrong language, doesn't fit to the culture or whatever it is. So, um, and that's an extremely powerful thing if you implement it well in organization, that it's deep rooted in the culture. Then that feedback is just, and if everyone believes in the, and, and knows the vision, then that feedback will just uh, it kind of will make the leader obsolete in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you do like at world class to make sure you got constant feedback from all the people there? We, um, through education, so we had constant education uh, and workshops in uh, in feedback. So feedback training. Uh, I actually took in uh, a guy from H and M. H and M has a really good feedback uh, structure, educational program, and culture. So uh, Huge I took, company. Yeah, yeah. And so I took. I knew they were best in in what I heard in feedback. So I took in a guy that implemented the feedback structure and culture in H and M, and we did the same thing in WorkClass. So it's all about constant education uh, and then it kind of takes care and, and keep I would say um, follow up with it all the time yes. so uh, and using existing employees to educate new employees about the feedback culture we have in the company and it's it's so much about the biggest obstacle we had when in work class when we started implementing a feedback culture was that it was a fear I mean it took so long time for me to implement a culture where anyone in the company can come up to me and give me feedback. And I tell I, you, like, you're doing a shitty job. Yeah, I beg them, give me feedback. I love feedback because it helps me improve. But you're the boss. I cannot give you feedback. And when they when they have fear of giving me feedback, they have fear to give their manager feedback, their co-workers. Yes. And, and feed, also feedback was perceived in the beginning in, uh, in work as uh, criticizing. And it's not about criticizing. It's about helping other people. So a big part in work class was to make people understand that feedback is the biggest gift you can give and to receive. And when they got that, they opened up. Uh, but it's a, long, it's a long process and it's a never ending process. You just keep on educating, reminding people, lead with a good example to give feedback to other people and ask for feedback. So uh, it's like a living micro, microorganism in the, in, the, in the company. It has to be a big part of the culture. Yes, uh, it's not something easy to do. It's no, 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 it's it's really hard when you when you speak with people for them not to take it personal. Yeah, it's really hard. And usually, usually, whenever somebody says, "Listen, don't take this personally," usually they will give it to you very personally. <laughs> but there are so what, what I learned, uh, and I learned so much when I brought in the my friend from H and M. Uh, there are so really great techniques. I mean, it's an, it's an art skill to give feedback and to receive feedback. So, so what would be like a successful formula for giving feedback? Also, you I mean, can see his name if you want, so you can give a shout yeah, out to uh, your friend. Yeah, Nick, he's doing Nick great. Does, 
Niklas Kling, uh, a Swedish guy lives in, in Bukarest, Romania. He's no longer working for, um, for H&M, but he was leading our, our feedback training in, in work class. And it was just, uh, we learned so much. So the, the biggest number, there's so many steps uh, and, and techniques and, and everything. But the number one is that it's a gift. It's a gift to give feedback and to receive feedback. So you need to give it with open hands and receive it with open hands. Uh, the mind shift. The it mind is important. Yeah. So uh, it's really about helping people, and everyone love, likes to help people and to get help. So uh, and then, yeah, we had a three-day education for all uh, all the people when we implemented it, and then we had a follow-up education. But those three days was just there's so many techniques about it uh, because when I heard as well feedback yeah i was thinking okay that's something you, you give your opinion to another person that person will most likely take as a critique uh, <laughs> yeah yes. yeah but there are there are so many uh, good techniques i mean it's a well-studied area so um there's some cool stuff out there when it comes to feedback awesome and, and i like the fact that you also had follow-up because that's important you don't do just as an event yeah trainings inside the company you do uh, you have the event and then you have the follow-ups. If you don't have the follow-ups, don't spend the money on the event no, because no, it will have exactly. no impact. No, absolutely no impact. Well, it would be better just to throw a party for all the employees. Socializing <laughs> rather. And have them socialize and have fun. Yeah. It would be money better spent that way than actually have just a training event and no follow-up to it. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, uh, it's true. I mean, I got a great feedback in work class because I'm a... I'm a person, uh, probably understood this, but very vision driven with a lot of ideas. Uh, the, maybe the best feedback I got from someone in work class was that, Michael, just stop. You are throwing out so many projects, so many ideas. They're all great, but we, we cannot keep up. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's too much. So that's an example of a great feedback. They said, okay, that's very cool. And I, so we decided to focus mostly on feedback. Um, to scrap all most of other trainings, uh, and and I got very impatient because but we can do this and this and this and this, and that will you know take us really quick to our vision, towards our vision. You will never reach the vision, but uh, you will move faster. But uh, so yeah, you, you, as a leader, you also have to be really open to uh, to feedback from your staff. I mean that's super important to hear because um, yeah, that's the most important feedback you get. Yes, yes it is. And Michael, probably you read a lot and you also already gave like Mentioned a book that book. had the most impact on yeah. you, but you said like, probably it's not in English. Do you have an English book that had a great impact on you? I would say oh, there's so many. Um, I like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People of Kovi, uh, his name is, yes. I forget the first name. Uh, I think that's a great book to for your personal development and your focus. Uh, that's kind of one of my Bibles, uh, I must say, because it's, it's really um, everything from focus on what is, uh, you can affect, what you can uh, have an impact on, to uh, your personal management of your in-work, in your personal life, uh, if you want to change your lifestyle. So that, that's uh, one of the better ones, I would say, uh, that you find in English. Awesome. And um, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? I would say LinkedIn is always good. Uh, I'm not super active there, but uh, there's plenty of information. Uh, otherwise, email me or give me a call. 
the traditional way. Uh, I always like to speak to people. So uh, if you have something to, to say, uh, my email and phone is always open. Uh, to follow one-to-one -one tribe, we have one-to-onetribe.com. It's uh, yeah, one-to-one -one in uh, numbers. Um, and also our one-to-one -one tribe uh, Instagram account is a great way to get inspiration about healthy living and sustainable living. So um, yeah, but that uh, personally LinkedIn is a good way. Perfect. Yeah, and I will link the resources so people can look up the show notes Perfect. and get in touch yeah. with you. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Michael. It's thank been a pleasure you. having you on the show. It's been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> bye. A nice conversation. Bye. Bye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe and share please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.